Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Radio 927 WFNZ. Appreciate you guys joining us. We have two more hours to go. Then we'll hand it off to the Kyle Bailey show. Smoke Ludwig going to be alongside him as always. That show be will be taking place from 3 until 6 p.m. I did want to go back and discuss the death of Anton Walks, the Charlotte, uh, uh, excuse me, yeah, Anton Walks, the Charlotte FC soccer player who died yesterday at the age of 25 in a boating accident. And you heard that from Fiddy, who talked about that in the first Fiddy flash of the day. He was a defender for the team who passed away at, as I mentioned, 25 years old. We got word about that a little bit later on yesterday, and then Charlotte FC released a statement earlier this morning. And it's extremely unfortunate because what you're seeing is another moment that we all have to come together as sports fans where that's a great uplifting feeling, and it's at the expense of, uh, expense of someone's life. And it's happening way too often, and you hate to see it once again. And now here our community gets hit, Wes. And I know when you're discussing some of this from a different perspective because of the way that you played with a team at a high level, you played offensive line at wake forest. What goes through your mind, especially if you try to put yourself in the shoes of his teammates at Charlotte FC gearing up for a season, the second season in this franchise's history without one of your brothers out. Well, the thing is, it's just so haunting the fact that they're not there anymore. You look at the locker, you think about the things that they brought to the team, especially, you know, personality wise. And you start to remember all the little things that laugh or different things they would say or how they would react to different things uh, that would happen around the team. Man, and you just, you know, your team is your family and people, Maybe they realize, maybe they don't, just how much time you do spend together. And so for that presence to not be there, you know, is one of the biggest things because you do care about the sports. You do care about how they play. But like I said, when you're on teams together, you really are a band of brothers. And so when that that factor is missing from you, you know, it just hurts a lot. And then you just try to use it, you know, to fuel you. In the moments where you may feel down and you feel like things aren't going your way and you just think about the fact that, you know, things could be worse and you think about his family because there's no doubt when you're on a team, you get to know guys as families, they're their closest ones to them. You think about how they feel. You hurt for the fact that they hurt. So it's just so many layers to it, man. It's just so sad. A guy so young. You don't want to lose anybody at any age. We wish we could all live to be, you know, just old as we can. But, uh, you know, just a guy that young, so much life ahead of him, not just sports, but just so much life ahead of him at that age and all the people he's leaving behind. So it definitely uh, hurts the team. Well, and, and it's it's um, it's something where we've seen quite a bit of statements from various parties on the death of Anton Walks. Here's one from David Tepper, who wrote the Charlotte FC owner, of course, David Tepper, also with the Carolina Panthers. He said Walks was a, quote, tremendous son, father, partner and teammate whose joyous approach to life touched everyone he met. 
He will be greatly missed by many in our thoughts and prayers are with Anton's family. During this heartbreaking time, Tepper would also add the club offers its full support to all those impacted during this period of mourning. And so I think something Charlotte sports usually gets right, and I've praised the Charlotte Hornets quite a bit for this, is you know finding different ways to honor and embody the spirit and the strength that some of these players showed and his impact within the community. We usually celebrate that. And it's unfortunate that he's not alive to receive these flowers that we are going to be giving him as we talk about him today, as I would expect Charlotte FC to honor him in the first game that they play Bank of America Stadium. Once the season starts, I have to imagine that there's going to be some honoring of Anton walks with him not being able to be out there on the field with his brothers and with his teammates. And so that's going to be something that's going to be interesting. And Fiddy, I know you talked about possibly buying a jersey of walks and maybe you and Flounder purchasing jerseys together to try to support. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was going to be a big part of what this team was was going to try to do this year. And as much as an impact Charlotte FC had on on the city itself. I mean, they made me into a guy that now watches and follows soccer. Walks was one of the dudes, as much as any guys on that roster, that embraced the city of Charlotte as much as the city in Charlotte embraced him. He had an infectious smile. Willie P talked about that when he was on with Jeff Rickard earlier today. He was just a constant positive presence in the community, and and now that's gone, and and it's going to be is it's 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 our job to make sure his life, his legacy, his impact on and on the soccer field continues on here in Charlotte. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to do that up to the standard that it so deserves. Not only us talking about it, not only Charlotte FC, um, but everybody here that will remember this team, remember his place on this team because it's still going to be here regardless of his passing at the <laughs> young age of 25. Really unfortunate. Hoping to talk with Willie P about this. We have some audio. Maybe we can get to that a little bit later on in the show, and we can discuss this a little further. Now, never an easy transition, transitioning to some Carolina Panthers conversation. Lots of news surrounding the Panthers organization with this coaching search that they have. You do have Sean Payton still in the mix. You have Mike Kafka. You have Shane Steichen, who's already completed an interview. You still have Ken Dorsey on the schedule as well. And we had a chance to talk with Greg Olson yesterday about this coaching uh, search. And it's kind of, you know, (laughs) it's about a topic where a guy seems to be moving down the list as we move a little bit further on in this coaching search. That's Steve Wilkes, the guy that coached this team to a six and six record after taking over for Matt Rule, who was fired earlier this season. Here's Greg Olson talking about the hiring process and how it should be thorough. But of course, there is one guy he likes for the job. I think the process needs to go on, right? I think in order to be confident that at the end of the day you get the best candidate and you end up settling on the best person, I think it's just fair to everybody involved that you go through a complete and exhaustive hiring process. So where that shakes out, I don't know. I think Steve is has the qualifications and has proven the capability as much as anybody. Um, but we all know the reality of the NFL with offensive coaches and the development of whoever this future young quarterback is. You know, that's all part of this conversation. That's not unique to Steve. That's not unique to the Carolina Panthers. That's kind of an NFL question. So with this, so with this report about Sean Payton continuing to be in the mix and then all these other offensive minds that are going to have their interviews either completed or have already been completed, like Shane Steichen in his case, how should this make Steve Wilkes feel? Do we care? Should this offend him to the point of not turning down the job because I don't know if he would still do that, but does it matter 
that it offends Steve Wilkes or has that possibility. I think with Wilkes' personality, he would use that to fuel him if he gets the job. We know the speech that he gave after they beat Seattle, I believe, when he got up there and talked about all the things that people said about this team. The it, if you will. So I think that... This will just motivate him. I think he's just sitting back and hoping that he gets the job and just saying, okay, you like this guy, you like that guy. Well, let me get in there and I'm going to show you what I can do. And I think that if I feel like I have a read on how his personality works, I think that would be more so his train of thought. It's just that it's just going to motivate him to be the best coach um, that he could be. Um, I'm sure he may be... I think he understands the process and how it was going to go. I think it maybe offends him a little bit because I'm sure in his mind he felt with everything that he had to deal with when he walked in the building for him to do the job that he did. I'm sure he feels it was very commendable and the job that he did is worthy of it. Oh, okay. All right, some breaking news. Stopping mid-sentence. What do we got here, Fiddy? So this this may really apply more to if Steve Wilkes were to get the head coaching job or maybe Carolina interviews this guy altogether because he's an offensive mind and they're rumored to be interested in Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have moved on from their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. So this could be another name that gets added to the mix, either as a head coaching candidate or a candidate for Steve Wilkes if he were to get the head coach to be his offensive coordinator. Greg Roman is more fascinating to me strictly because of the way that it all revolves around Lamar Jackson. The offensive game plan was Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, it was such a rush-heavy offense that would, I think, entice a lot of Carolina Panthers fans after what they saw this season, and then maybe you add a little bit of flair to that. You want to see some of the explosive plays. We know that Lamar Jackson can throw the ball downfield, More so, it's the intermediate and maybe some of the short passes that you don't love from Lamar as he is the guy that does a lot of his damage with his legs. So if you get Greg Roman, but you don't have Lamar, is that something that entices you? Or do you expect Greg Roman to adapt his offensive scheme to whatever quarterback is there in place? And you actually say, well, wait, it's not like he you have to have this package deal. You can have Roman with whatever quarterback, and he's shown that he can tailor his offense to said QB and make that offense thrive. What say you about the possibility of Greg Roman? Greg Roman is a football lifer. He was the OC for Cap with the Niners uh, for a while when, when the 49ers were rolling. Um, I mean, to be frank, I, I'm – tired of seeing him get a bunch of jobs all the time and stuff like I I just think that his offense is very very conservative I think it would fit well with what coach Wilkes wants to do and I think especially if they were able to go out and get a Lamar Jackson um I think it fits hand in hand in a lot of ways but I just like to see them you know go out maybe get some fresh blood for offensive coordinator uh you know get somebody get somebody else a shot Greg Roman seems like every time a job comes up he's you know, he just gets a job somewhere, which I think that speaks to the fact that he is a good offensive coordinator. But to me, his offense is kind of boring. Well, if you look at the rushing ranks during any time Greg Roman has coached an offensive unit, every single year that he has been the OC for a football team, that team has finished at least in the top 10 yeah. when it comes to yardage. In fact, the worst they ever finished in rushing offense was eighth in the NFL. That was his first year as OC in 2011. Here are the other ranks after that. 2012, four, three, four, four straight years with Buffalo and Baltimore as the number one rushing offense, four straight years, two with Buffalo, two with Baltimore, 2021, third, 2022, second. Also a lot of attempts. 
No doubt about that. But a lot of yardage up there ranking um, towards the top in the NFL. Does that entice you at all, or you would rather still no, see some passing I'm, ranks? Yeah, there? I'll push back that with the passing numbers. Like I mm-hmm. said, and granted, he did have cap. Uh, I forget who his quarterbacks were in Buffalo. Didn't he have um... – Well, 15-16, that would probably be the Tyrod Taylor era. Yeah, yeah. And then they were able to get to the playoffs early, I think. Yeah, his best finish got... was twenty twenty one Baltimore, where he had 13th, but – you know, I like a guy that's a little bit more balanced in their approach. I mean, he is a run game aficionado. There's no doubt about that. But I, I like a guy that's a little bit more balanced. Yeah, and they were they were seven and nine that year in 2016. But we know the Buffalo Bills history. I mean, before they got Josh Allen and then Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott all in place. That's why we commended the job that they did because it was a team that went so long before they even got to another postseason burst. So Greg Roman was a part of that. Fitty, does that interest you? The fact that you do have Greg Roman at all um, out there to be had if you're careless. I think if Steve Wilkes were to get a second interview, that'd be the guy that I would tad to be my offensive coordinator, my play caller, because of the type of offenses he has designed in three different spots that translate to winning football. You're you're going to be competitive. You're going to win division titles. You're going to win playoff games with the way that Greg Roman designs an offense. And you know, if you get a, a maybe, maybe that allows you to maybe look at Anthony Richardson or Will Levis in the draft because those are two quarterbacks that can also use their legs. So, yes, absolutely, from a coordinator standpoint, I, I do think he's got to be in the mix for this job. Well, let me ask you this. If, you, if you're actually opening the door to that possibility of getting a mobile quarterback in the draft, w- would you go ahead and do that if Greg Roman was the hire? Would you go? Would you be more welcoming to that idea, even if Sam Donald was still on this roster? Would you say, okay, with Greg Roman, I'm willing to go after some of these dudes that can use their legs in the draft? I would, yes. Because I, I I just look at his offenses. I mean, he was the guy that really helped unleash what Colin Kaepernick became when he was at, you know, the height of, of his career in the NFL. And look at his development with Lamar Jackson. And I think if Anthony Richardson's going to be a difference maker at the quarterback position in the NFL, it's going to be with his legs before it's going to be with his arm. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll see about Lamar Jackson, too, as well. Like, Lamar Jackson with this whole saga, that's kind of interesting. I, I know that Jeff was talking about this earlier this week with the Baltimore radio personality. I forget his name. Um, I apologize. But also looking at Lamar Jackson, like how it's kind of a Steve Bashotti thing that might lead to Lamar leaving this team because they could have taken care of this a while ago. They didn't. And... I do think it's interesting how the players in that locker room for Baltimore are all coming to the defense of Lamar because there are ideas out there that Lamar in this contract dispute decided not to play and that he had control. And if he was already taken care of financially, then he might suit up and play in that postseason game. But the players have come in and said, no, that's not true. You guys don't see him limping. You don't see him having this severe enough injury to legitimately hold him out for you know a handful of games. And so, yeah, interesting stuff there. So we'll see if Lamar is even available. But Greg Roman is now, as Baltimore and the OC have parted ways. We can get back to the coaching search. LaMelo Ball also last night. Gets injured again. We can talk a little bit more about the Charlotte Hornets. Plenty still to come on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. The Charlotte Hornets get the win last night against the worst team in the league. But they lose so much more. Why does it happen all the time? 
Why is this happening to the Charlotte Hornets? LaMelo Ball goes down with an injury, and it's another sprained ankle for LaMelo. In fact, it's his third one this season slash preseason. We see what happens at the beginning of the year when LaMelo goes down in like the third preseason game. He comes back. Then he steps on the ankle of a fan sitting courtside who does not remove that foot after he's going after a basketball heading out of bounds against the Pacers. And of course, there was only like a minute left in that contest. So right at the end of the game, that's when he gets injured. He's out for a while. He comes back and this time, P.J. Washington and LaMelo Ball are going after a basketball. They're going after a rebound. P.J. lands on LaMelo's ankle again. He would be ruled out. He would not return. And, yes, it was another sprained ankle, another sprained left ankle for LaMelo. And we don't know exactly how much time he's going to miss. Now, Rod Boone gave us some positive review after the game where he said he talked with LaMelo about that ankle. And LaMelo said, it feels a little bit better. It doesn't feel like those other ones but we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. Wes, I mean, this has been a lost season. It's been one of the worst seasons in Hornets' recent memory, and there's been a lot of bad ones to choose from. The fact that you've had all of these injuries, you had Miles Bridges arrested for felony domestic violence at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of free agency, kind of stalled what they might do building the roster. You still have some players to go to work with. Maybe you can sneak in the play-in, but then LaMelo gets hurt. Gordon gets hurt again. Terry misses some time. Kelly Hubre has been out for a while. Nothing has gone right for the Hornets unless you were team tank immediately. And you're going to have a very real shot at Victor Wembenyama, which is about all the hope we can ask for right now. I did not want LaMelo to miss any more time with another sprained ankle in order to achieve that feat. I don't think you can play LaMelo if there's any problem with his ankle whatsoever. I'm talking 1% pain, 1%. You do not put LaMelo out there on that floor anymore. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And the Hornets are just more fun to watch. That's no secret to anybody uh, when he's out there. Even when he went out of the game last night and they still won. Mark Williams made it a lot of fun, but LaMelo just makes them more fun to watch. I'm with you, though. He needs to be 100% before they came, before he comes back. Because if you remember a couple of plays before that, not long before that happened, he did come down funny on that ankle and was sat there for a second and started rolling it out to try to get it to feel better. And then he gets the big one to where he has to get carried off. So um, you have to protect your investment, your best player. It's not like they're playing meaningful basketball game in any shape or form. And you have enough guys where you can compete like they did last night to carry the game through, even though they almost blew it. We talked about their free pre-show. I mean, they were up 11 with 128 to go, and then next thing I know, Mason Plumley shooting free throws to try to get them up five. With his left hand and all. Yeah, right. They were down only up only three, and I was like, man, if the Hornets lose this game, this might be the worst loss in franchise history if they blow an 11-point lead with a minute and 28 left. In the basketball. They had a shot. Houston absolutely had a shot. <laughs> and Mason Plumley, he missed the first one, by the way. Right. And he hit the second one. It was a four-point game. And then that would be the end of the contest. Copeland asking on the text line, 704-570-9610, why have the Hornets had such injury trouble? They must install a natural grass court. Yes, the turf is really <laughs> its really hurting them all across the NBA. A thick doink. Yes, we've talked about that a couple times, that nickname being great. Hey, guys, you know what they say, like a sprained ankle, boy, it ain't nothing to play with. 
I forgot which, uh, who said that. Um, that is the mashup with like Lil Wayne, I think, and Eminem and a bunch of different people. But yes, they doink writing that in. And then Granny Pat asking, when are we going to do Fire Fizzle? Is it still at 145? Yes. We yes, will be it doing is, Fire Fizzle it. at 145. Action movies. Classics. We're going to be doing some action movies. Yes. By, uh, and Wes will be deeming whether they are uh, Fire or Fizzle. Yeah, Often when you called me a predator yesterday. Yes, that's correct. started talking about the movie Predator. That's how we started the show. I did. My mom said she almost pulled up on you on the phone. For oh, God no. almighty. Yeah, I'm sorry, Miss Bryant, please. Although I would have deserved it. I would have just, <laughs> I mean, I would have to sit there and just take a beating that I deserved. Like, I, I get it, you know? <laughs> I started off the show and was like, wait, you, you told me immediately you shouldn't do that. I realized immediately I shouldn't do that. So I apologize <laughs> to Miss Bryant absolutely on that one. Yeah. But LaMelo... Having just another injury mm-hmm. to your star player, it's the third one in a row. It reminds me a little bit of the beginning of Steph Curry's career. And if you look at all of the ankle injuries that he suffered, I remember seeing that his ankles were described as tissue paper because of how many times that he would undergo problems. And he underwent surgery, too, at the beginning of his career. Of course, he would go on to have a resume that... You could argue was top 10 all time. I don't want to have that debate today, Mm -hmm. but you get the idea. You certainly could create a pretty compelling argument that he's a top 10 player. And this was after the ankle problems that he had. So point being, you can come back from this stuff. Steph Curry might have been deemed injury prone then, but he was able to come back from it and be a warrior, pun intended. Mm -hmm. Can LaMelo come back from all of this or do you think that he's earning that title of being injury prone despite despite it being a little weird because of the freak accident that is pj washington landing on that angle? yeah and i think we need another season of this before we can hit him with that label now Lamelo does need to add some weight he is very skinny especially coming in the arena with him last year seeing him up close and personal you know he is a very slight young man So he definitely needs to get that man weight going, which will come with age. And then he keeps working and things of that nature. But 51 games, his rookie year, we know he had the wrist injuries and things like that. Last year, a little bit more healthy, only missed seven games. And then this year, you know, he's played uh, 22 games so far. We don't know how long he'll be out this time. But I'm not going to give him the injury-prone label just yet. I think if he goes through next season and this continues to be a problem, then I think... You know, we have something to look at uh, with a raised eyebrow. But for right now, especially last night, you know, that was just a tough kind of freak of nature injury. And the the first one was, too, you know, chasing the ball out of bounds and turning his ankle over on the crowd. We've all uh, done that before, and we thought as well that he might have come back just a bit too early. So I'm not going to give him that title yet until another season, and hopefully that won't continue. Steve Clifford talked about LaMelo's injury, and he also just uh, talked about the way they responded afterwards. I mean, I hope so. I didn't, like I said, I just walked in, talked to the team. I walked right out here. I grabbed Joe briefly. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's too early, obviously, to know. So we don't know any prognosis on how long it's going to keep him out, but I hope he's out for a while because the Hornets are being cautious, not because he's undergoing pain, because I don't want to risk it anymore. And I don't know if Lamelo is injury prone. I wouldn't call him injury prone because that seemed like a normal basketball play where you're That's going so after going after the basketball, P.J. Washington lands on LaMelo's foot, and you're right. He did step on the foot of a guy sitting courtside. Both of those things happened. I hope it doesn't cause him to be injury-prone. Like, are are his ankles being weakened, and 
you just continue to have this happen as games go on. That's what I really hope he avoids. But I, I have I have some hope, of course, that he can avoid all of that. Maybe sit a while this year, come back in the offseason, get ready to roll, and hopefully hopefully he's able to roll with the seven four generational prospect like Victor Wembenyama. Um what's nice though is that they have a first round rookie playing pretty well right now. Yes. How about Mark Williams, man? I mean, that guy was awesome. He is the brightest storyline amidst an awful 2022-2023 season. And we didn't expect Mark Williams to be a bright storyline at the beginning of the year. One getting any playing time, was spending a ton, a ton of games down with the G League, playing for the Greensboro Swarm, and he was doing a very good job down there, but he wasn't playing at all with the NBA squad. Now he is. We saw him go for 17 and get you a double-double against Oklahoma City. In this game yesterday against the Houston Rockets, yes, they're not very good, but he absolutely sunned Alperen Shangoon. I mean, he had five blocks in this one. Shangoon scored 24 points. I'm pretty sure all of them came against Mason Plumley. I don't know if there was a basket made against Mark Williams who just blocked him constantly. I think the foul call on Mark Williams, I thought that block was clean, but it sent Shangoon to the free throw line, and he was in his head. I mean, guards have to figure out where Mark Williams is on the floor because they're scared when they drive into the paint. I saw Eric Gordon drive in. Drives in, Mark Williams helps over. Fake, fake, Williams stays down. Eric Gordon has to pass out. Didn't work. That stuff is so valuable. The Hornets have not had that. And as as well as Mason Plumlee has been playing lately, shout to Mason, he ain't doing what Mark Williams has the ability to do, which is defend the rim. Love what we're getting from Mark Williams. It was excellent to see him have that type of game. And not only that walk, you talk about uh, Eric Gordon having to pass the ball out, but you saw guys driving, having to put the ball up, even if they did shoot it high off the glass to try to beat those long arms. Shots were getting missed, getting altered. And that's what you want to see. The blocks are fantastic. I mean, he had the first five-block game by Hornets rookie since Bismack in 2012. So, you know, he's he's having a historical season as far as some of the better games that he's had. He's doing some things and breaking some records. I mean, 8 of 10 shooting. And he's the guy, man, when they penetrate, they're finding him great hands. He's catching it, and he's going up and finishing that thing and, you know, not putting the ball on the ground. When he gets it, he gets it up and gets it into the basket quickly. So Mark Williams has been – he's really starting to flash for this team. And you have to be excited about that because he's showing exactly what we felt the Hornets have been missing as far as a rim protective. He can continue his progression and the Hornets can get a couple of guys out on that wing that are starter level players that can play some really solid defense. Then I think they can flip the narrative on this team on its head and become a much better defensive team. Now, the question is. With Mark Williams having not played at the beginning of the season, we all thought he was going to be an immediate contributor. I did. I, I, I thought did as well because of the lack of depth that they I had at the center plug spot. And play. Some of this happened because Mason Plumlee was playing pretty well. Some of it happened because Nick Richards got off to a fantastic start. He looked awesome at the beginning of the season. That has tailed off quite a bit. So I'm not going to blame Steve Clifford for not playing Mark Williams right away. I was never one that was really worried about a bust the first half of the season in his first ever year, his rookie campaign. I was never willing to call him that. If it were to keep happening, of course, you got to get worried as time goes on. But to me, it's like Steve Clifford can't win because I think that the, the idea for Steve Clifford is that you sit Mark Williams until he's ready. Well, he brought Mark Williams up when he was ready and he's playing well. 
And so you could either flip that on him and say, well, you should have been playing him this whole time. But then Clifford could come back at you and say, well, it's because he's ready now. And I wanted him to play in the G League and play five on five and practice runs in that gym, in that setting, rather than playing at the Spectrum Center. What say you? Do you think that Mark Williams should have played earlier or do you think that Steve Clifford actually handled this pretty well? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they see him in practice. They see what's needed. And we have Mark on the show as well to talk about those things and the things that he struggled with earlier. So perhaps he got better at those things that the coaching staff was telling him that he was going to need to do in order to see the floor. I was very speculative because I thought, too, that he was going to be a plug-and-play guy. I thought, especially with this team struggling out of the gates as much as they did, I felt, why would you not play him and let him get experience at the NBA level? But it's starting to feel like they brought him up at just the right time. He got down some of the things that he needed to get down and showed the coaches those things and proved and worked on them as he talked about when he was on our show. And so now it looks like he's ready to just get in game situations, learn that way and just continue his improvement. Yeah, I even if I thought that Steve Clifford should have gone to him a little bit earlier, it's not something that I really care about fighting, right? Like th- this is this is the thing where maybe a few games you know, maybe, I don't know, a handful or so. I wanted Mark Williams to get out there on the court a little bit earlier because of what we were seeing at the center spot. But he's out there now and he's playing well. I do get a little frustrated when Steve Clifford tells us that he's not going to go 10, 15 games without Nick Richards getting some run. And when Nick Richards gets run, that's when Mark Williams gets a DNPCD, not playing because of a coach's decision, not because of an injury. I want to see Mark out there. I don't know if there's a legitimate reason he should not be out there getting at least 15 minutes every single night. The backup center spot, I think that has to go to Mark. And now what's interesting is at the trade deadline, where Shams of the Athletic, Shams Sharania, he says that the Hornets are going to be listening to offers for Terry Rozier. He expects Mason Plumley, Kelly Oubre, and Jalen McDaniels to also garner interest. With Mason Plumley being there, I wonder if you trade him. I don't know what you would get in return. But if you traded Mason Plumley, that would allow you to play Mark Williams' big minutes, Nick Richards' big minutes as well, split the center spot between those two unless you want to go P.J. Smallball 5 in winning time. But that's it. I would like that, and I think that is some incentive as to why you might trade Mason Plumley. And, of course, we'll see about Terry Rozier and some of these other guys. Wes, do you think this is finally the year that Mitch Kupchak actually plays um, – plays, um, excuse me, trades some of these guys at the deadline, which we haven't seen in season from the GM before. I think it's coming because all the things we talked about from a salary perspective and the way your season's going, you're not winning with them. So it's time for to begin the youth movement. And so when you see Mark Williams showing that improvement, I mean, the second half, what are you playing for here? It's not like you're playing for a playing spot or anything of that nature. You want these young guys to get valuable game experience. So when it comes time for game one of next season, guys are ready to go. So I think that uh, trades will be made at key positions to get young guys going so they can see where they're at, see what they need to do uh, going forward. All right, so uh, we've had a conversation happening between Stanford P and Fiddy on the uh, text line, and Stanford P wrote in, Mark Williams played against who? Uh, Fiddy said, some G-leaguer. Mark Williams couldn't guard me before I tore my ACL. Stanford P also said, Jumpman Marlowe was unguardable. Josh Marlowe once scored a triple-double in the G-league in under seven and a half minutes. Josh Marlowe once dunked the opening tip-off. How did you get this Chuck Norris-type lore with Stanford P? How did all of that happen? Undoubtedly, because he hails from the kind of the same area I hail from. He was in the gym 
back in my church league days, and he saw some of my feats on the basketball court that have now translated onto the G League court because anybody can go to the G League and drop a 30-piece. Because we're talking about the NBA not playing any defense. The G League, they play no sort of defense. They play 40-minute games and score more points than they do in the NBA. And if had I never torn my ACL, I'd be somewhere traveling the country, playing in high school-sized gyms, dropping 30 a night. Did you just somehow overrate your performance in the G League because you don't have any defense playing against you, and that's how you were able to score so much in the G League? No, because unlike you, Walker, back in my basketball days, I was a walking bucket. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you went to sophomore and then you didn't play basketball anymore. Blew my knee out. (laughs) Before that ACL happened, Josh was the truth. I'm telling you, Uh, I believe this is big rig. I don't know if there is a a typo in this text, but somebody wrote in, this is big rig, the trucker. Let's talk Panthers. We heard about the Hornets all day long. Let's talk about the Panthers some more. Well, let me know when you become our producer. I mean, it's well, also it's literally the first segment that we've had about the Hornets and the rest. So, all right, but Hey, big rig, man. (laughs) Thanks, bud. If if you don't mind holding on through fire fizzle. Just keep trucking. People people have been asking for fire fizzle, so we're going to give you that on the other side, and then we can talk a little more about the Panthers in the last hour of the show. Of course, all of it has to come after the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? Well, I'm going to something Wes sent our our group chat on Twitter, which is also, well, it's actually on Twitter. It's named the Wes and Walker Show. Our text uh, chain is called the Three Kings. But, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the, like, the only quarterback in the league that yeah. has this this interview set up with a media person. Where he goes on there and just spews nonsense He's every Tuesday. He's got a Tuesday. ring, Josh. He's got a Super Bowl ring. And he did that earlier in the week with Pat McAfee talking about wanting to play and win another MVP. Well, former Super Bowl champion winning tight end Rob Gronkowski said, Bro, why are you thinking about MVP? Super Bowls are five times greater than an MVP award. It should be Super Bowls. You should never be thinking the MVP. See, this is the problem with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't care about the ultimate team prize. He's a self-centered, sophisticated, arrogant shot. (laughs) And there's nothing I love more in my life than watching that jabroni fail over and over and over again. And then getting towed off by a man of the people and Rob Gronkowski, the party animal himself, a man that's been there, won multiple championships, telling you what you need to be thinking about. Aaron Rodgers again, ah, I, 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 I think if I come back, I can win another MVP. No, you can't. Listen, man, get this guy out of here. He's just one of the most pompous quarterbacks to ever live. The fact that you're thinking about that you could win another MVP – Lack of self-awareness. Did you not see how you played this year? You guys didn't lose all of those games because of the receivers. It wasn't all their fault. You had some bad throws in there, too. You threw some picks, too. So let's not sit up there and act like that you are holier than now, but we know that he thinks he does. He probably sits in the bathroom and does a deuce and says, what is that smell? Okay. This is how this guy is. He probably says, what's that smell? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't think it's him. It's his upper lip. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's like, what, what is that I'm smelling? Or that hair because he never yeah. washes it looking like Yeah, Nicholas probably some of those drugs he takes and before he, you know, eats dinner with his girlfriend, Blue, or whatever her name is. Get him the hell out of here. I am overstimulated with the hate going towards yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I couldn't hear any of the insults. Yeah. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, fizzle, check. Yeah, big fizzle. What about fizzle. some of these action movies? We'll talk with Wes Bryant just about <laughs> that fire fizzle. Uh, coming up next, WFNZ.
I think most people actually like both of you putting Aaron Rodgers down the way that you did. Granny Pat wrote in, as for Aaron Rodgers, a huge pile of crap. Hate him. (laughs) Big Cat Dan, wow, this took a turn, LOL. Copeland said that was the song of ayahuasca, and then he gave us some lyrics here. Maybe we can sing it. I'll have Fiddy sing them at the end of the show. That's what we'll do. Um, 404 number wrote in, awesome analysis of Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely hysterical. Thanks for that. Needed the laugh. We appreciate it. Moose said we are, uh, I think he said Fiddy couldn't, Oh, that, that was more of the church league stuff. I thought Moose was talking about more Aaron Rodgers stuff. Fiddy has, has a couple of these side combos going on. I was trying to follow some of them and then read them on the air. But it seems like most people are in both of yours camps not liking Aaron Rodgers because some of the stuff that he spews out there. Get on board, man. There's room above no, this with, train to hate Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I'm not a fan. No, I'm definitely not a fan. You can vocalize it. You I, can scream. Yeah, you come across like, you know, you kind of like him. And no. You hate the way we roast them. Oh, no. It's just I, I don't have that same vitriol that y'all do towards no. Aaron Rodgers. Do you no, have but any I don't vitriol like towards anybody? You, for sure. <laughs> wow. No, yeah, I just don't want to voice it. You know, like, we work together. We got to figure it out. So I just don't want to put that over the airwaves. But, no, I definitely got some towards you. So we can talk about it after the show. But Wes might turn on the mic. And so that's why we can't put it out of there. <laughs> He's going to peel back the curtain and then show everybody the conversation. No, I love you. I love you, Fiddy. And I also love this segment. It's fire fizzle. It's time for Wes to be the authority on all things action movies. Let's start off with the first one on the list. List. Terminator. It's a mm. classic. I remember being scared watching it as a kid, but I did the whole peek through my fingers as looking at the camera. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. is it is it gonna happen? <laughs> is someone gonna die? Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Fire Fizzle West. Let's go. One year after your boy was born. I didn't see it then, obviously, at one year <laughs> old, but once I did watch it, a human soldier sent from 2029. That's seven years from now. To 1984, six. six, whatever, to stop an almost indestructible cyborg killer machine that's trying to stop the birth of one John Connor, who's going to save the universe from the cyborgs. The classic lines, the classic scenes. I mean, he walks in, clears out a whole police station, got people cutting flips like Sunni Lee. When I talk about the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, ahead of his time, the music, Everything about it, the Terminator is straight. Fire! I'll be back. <laughs> Terminator is is second and and third and how many Terminators? There are were there a now? lot of them. There were a couple kind of down the list that weren't that good. The one with Christian Bale, I did not enjoy. I actually slept through most of that one in the movies. Uh, the one with the girl as the lead, I didn't think was that great. But the last one was pretty good. And then Terminator 2 is a classic. Terminator well. the first is that two better than, Is that better than no, number one? No, I still one? like the first one. First one the is first better. first one's my favorite. Have you seen Terminator fitting? I haven't seen as many as Wes has. I've seen Terminator 1 and 2. I think I've seen three on television. That was yeah, better. The last one was good, though. I've not seen the last one either. All yeah. right. Lethal Weapon. The second movie on the list. Mm. I got to tell you, I've never seen Lethal Weapon before. You were disgusted. You talked about that yes. beforehand. Yes. So please, by fire or fizzle, tell me if I should watch it. Just like the main walker, that could be us, Riggs and Murtaugh. I wish I knew what it was. A black man and a white man coming together. There you go. Riggs, all types of issues, all types of baggage he's carrying. Danny Glover, the steady force, great black father and husband, two newly paired costumes are complete opposites. But they must put aside their differences to, in order 
to catch a gang of drug smugglers. Lethal weapon one, two, and three, by the time they get to the end, they're saying, people were saying they're too old, but they said, we're not too old for this. They had to fight Jet Li, all types of drug smugglers (laughs) in order to keep the city safe. One of my all-time favorites and my favorite cop movies of all time. So you know where this is going. I know where this is going. Lethal Weapon is straight. Fire. I don't even know what else to say. I'm just going to leave it right there. Try to scream something else. I just had to just... Riggs and Murtaugh I didn't get any better than that. Did you stop yourself from an expletive or did you just no, have just, some release you know, of energy? They're not too old for this. Okay. I haven't seen Lethal Weapon, but I'll you watch that. You were just that. a sheltered, Multiple Lethal Weapons. You've seen Lethal Weapon, Fitty? I have not. You oh, were just okay. a sheltered, Multiple Lethal swine. Weapon. Okay. Flatter called that. He said, I'm sure Fitty is in the same boat you are, that he has not seen it either. Yes. Not only have I not seen Lethal Weapon, this next movie, was. Oh, I haven't seen it either. You guys, let me tell you. <laughs> Bloodsport. I ain't seen this. Bloodsport's the oh, next movie. God. You guys. Listen. Jean-Claude Van Damme was my favorite action movie star of the 90s. Still my guy. There's a famous dance scene in this when he gets drunk and then beats down a whole bar. One of the greatest action (laughs) plots that you could have. Keep it simple. Revenge. Centers on Frank Dukes, a United States Army captain and ninjutsu practitioner who competes in an underground full-contact martial arts tournament called the Kumite. His brother got paralyzed by the main, (laughs) by the antagonist in that film. We're talking about my man Bolo. And I mean, he taunts him in the movie. He holds up his brother's headband. Everything that you could do to make somebody want to come back and get the vengeance on you. This movie started Van Damme's career. His legacy in the 90s with probably B and C live B and C level action movies that I loved. Blood sport is straight fire. Van Damme is my guy. He can do no wrong in my eyes. All right. I promise I've seen this next one. I have not seen lethal weapon. I've not seen blood sport. I will put that on the list, but top gun I've seen. And I was just reading a test, a text message from somebody that wrote in and said they love this segment. And then two text messages ago, they asked what Fitty was smoking because he thought Top Gun was an awful movie. I can't imagine you're going to be doing that, though, on Fire Fizzle West. Listen, we already talked about Tom Cruise and my love for him as an actor. And Fitty came through and said that this movie was not great, even though... He loves the new one that borrowed a lot from the first one. But let's get to it. Skilled, reckless, selfish rebel pilot Maverick and his partner Goose are assigned to go to Top Gun, a military school for top-notch pilots. We're top-notch here, Wes and Walker. Soon he has an affair (laughs) with instructor Charlie and a rivalry with Iceman and Slider. God rest his soul to Val Kilmer. He's still alive. Is he? Yeah. No, Val Kilmer's dead. Oh, no. Did you just kill Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer passed away sure not long did. after this movie came out. I, I, no, you can look that up. I'm this pretty is, sure Val Kilmer's still alive. This is a bad detour. Is he? During no, 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 no. I thought he passed away. Oh, no. Wait. Well, Iceman passed away in the movie. I mean, so let's just leave it at that. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> if you hadn't seen it, then go see it. Iceman passed away in the movie. Okay. <laughs> He's still alive. So listen, when it goes to Top Gun... Top Gun is straight 
fire. I feel the need for speed. My first Val Kilmer death Google search was <laughs> no, Val Kilmer is safe and alive. The rumors circulating on social media are baseless and false. So we have Val Kilmer still alive, which makes it more fire. That's excellent. I'm glad. <laughs> well, okay. he passed away in the movie. He, Sorry about he, that, Val. He, he just, <laughs> All right, last one. Born identity. Fire fizzle West. So when we talk about the born identity, Matt Damon stars as Jason Bourne, a man suffering from psychogenic amnesia, attempting to discover his identity amidst a clandestine. Woo, they packed some big words into this description. Clandestine conspiracy within the CIA. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you straight up like this. You think you know where this is going, but you don't know where this is going. Because when it comes to the born identity being fire or fizzle, it is straight. Fizzle, I don't like Matt Damon like that, and I've never seen any of them. So, you know. I actually agree with that. I don't think the born identity is fire. Here comes Kyle Bailey. I do think it's straight fizzle, and Kyle Bailey is now walking into the studio. I don't know if he's happy or if he's frustrated. Well, you didn't have to turn my mic on. But since you did, Wes just nailed that one. Born, I, I never get it. Like, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm an good. action movie freak, but I've never seen one. Not one from start yeah, to Yeah, Matt Damon just doesn't do it for me. Not enough for me to check out his movies, man. The action star of the past is just, it's not there. We don't have that guy anymore. We don't have the era. Movie stars with The dead. Stallones, the Schwarzeneggers, Van Dams, all those guys. We, we don't have. They tried to make Rock the action star of this generation, but he he's not cutting. He does too much stuff. Yeah, he doesn't have a he doesn't have the classics under his belt, like the Stallones and Schwarzeneggers and Van Damme. No, and I completely agree. Born Identity, straight fizzle, and I did see the Born Ultimatum in theaters, and I had to sit in the front row, yeah. and I'm still seeing lights from that. <laughs> oh god, frustrating. Oh. It was the worst movie experience I've ever had in my Is life. Is the American movie star dead? I, Jennifer Anderson, I saw she read I I read that she said several weeks back that, and she's not the only one. That the that the, the American movie stars we grew up knowing it is dead. Uh you still got some of them around making films, but as far as just a new crop of them, I don't see it because superhero movies have become so prevalent. Right. And you don't get a lot of the, you know, regular plot type of movies that blow up to blockbuster type success. So sure. I think I could agree with I that. I just think it's short lived if they are. I mean, any run that you have, that's just it. It's not necessarily a lifelong run. Like you got a maybe a stretch of movies that are hot. Like it's a lot for, harder to, to establish yourself as a Denzel, a DiCaprio. Correct. You know, a, a Julia yeah. Roberts, it's, right? Like yeah. it, it's, it's harder to do that. Especially now. in the action genre, because like I said, they try to make Channing Tatum yeah. an action star. They try to do it with The Rock. Uh, he's been the most successful, though, of any of them. The Rock, as far as just... You can't do multiple Kevin Hart movies and be the action movie hero <laughs> yeah. of our Kevin time. Hart has gone full Nick Cage, and that is do as many movies as humanly Correct. possible, get as many checks as possible yeah, yeah, until yeah. the checks Yeah, man, so we, we don't have that. But I think, I guess, everything comes back around. So I think at some some point, we'll get somebody that'll come along and captivate America and make some classic. Yeah, right. maybe. Speak. I came to offer... The only reason I'm here is I came to offer Fiddy Marlowe a job. That's yeah. all. We'll oh. oh, what job is that? We'll talk about it during the break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get there. That's Kyle Bailey. You can hear him on these airwaves from 3 to 6 p.m. So stay tuned with him alongside Smoke Ludwig. We also have one more hour to go here. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM.